Hey, Cast Chasers. We are so excited to be finally tapping into some of the questions that you guys have asked us over the past season, over the season before, over Facebook, over email, over text, smoke signal, carrier pigeon, whatever. We're happy to talk about the things that are on your guys' mind as members of the Cast Chasers podcast. So with that in mind, pour a dram and settle in because this is the Cast Chasers podcast. So this is going to be a hilarious episode. I'm already feeling it because in this episode, it is the long-awaited... I can't do drum rolls, but that's... (laughs) Strong start. Strong start, right? I never said I'd bring that to the table. But in this episode... (laughs) Like, we have the capability to get a drummer. We physically have a drum set in the studio. But no, we're going to use that. No, no, no. I do need you guys... (laughs) Just let me just let me have this one and then all my wildest dreams have been met. <laughs> so yeah, in this episode So just drum roll, please. <laughs> uh Alright guys. In this episode, we're gonna tap into all of the questions our loyal, lovely, amazing Cask Chaser podcast listeners have been giving us over the past several months, up to just a few minutes before we started recording, actually. And we're going to dig into those questions and we're going to answer them. And I have no idea what the questions are, but this is going to be entertaining. It's all I can imagine is going to happen. I've tried my best to copy and paste all of them onto a single document. They keep coming. So like underline some that we would be able to address without guests and sort of on our own. It would take hours. I think. I think we got to be... Yeah, probably. We have to zoom in a little bit. Chapters and chapters of questions. That's what I'm picking up on. So we've posted on... We do this from time to time. Instagram, on Facebook. So where we just ask and we look for listener questions. And now we're going to dive in, I guess. So So what's our first question that we want to get into? So uh, I've got one that's actually been sitting there since last season that I'll start with. Um, this, Thank you for your patience. That's right. This one's from Jessica Flores, which I think we actually uh, talked to her on on one previous episode. We addressed one of her questions. She says, ice or no ice and why? Oh, that's a good Ooh. question. That's a good question. Is there any other detail to that question, like for a specific drink type of whiskey? No, she puts a smirky face and a tongue out face and a smiley face. So, <laughs> so she's looking for the sarcasm of it. So I sometimes ice. Let me rephrase. I rarely, but will do ice. There's a science behind ice. There's a, there's a science behind water. You know, the temperature of whiskey will adjust its flavor. Too cold can ruin it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want it too hot either, obviously. We never talk about that route. But ice can, if it's a good piece of ice, it's a, ch- a chunky piece of ice that doesn't melt as fast, it can keep it to a certain temperature slowly adding water to it, giving and changing the flavor and kind of enhancing it a little bit. I've had ice in my whiskey that I've enjoyed or if it's like really hot outside. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're using just like a bunch of ice and you're upping the temperature of the whiskey and adding too much water from the ice, chemically, it actually, 
I mean, that's the subjective like term. Over room. It, it over dilutes it. Yeah. It proofs it down. It brings it to a point where you're you really aren't getting that you can't physically get the notes of the whiskey that you're supposed to experience. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's not good. You may enjoy it like that. Maybe you just want a a hint of or whiskey light. Mm-hmm. And you know, so then you add a bunch of ice and a bunch of water and you have your mellow whiskey. But if you're looking to enhance some flavor or to bring some stuff out, a big ice cube or a little bit of water can do that. So I I kind of, I love the science behind it. But for me, the decision to go ice or no ice is typically like a mood in a social setting decision. So for example, if I'm just like hanging out at home, enjoying a good whiskey, I'll typically start off sipping that neat. And, you know, depending on what it is, I might throw in a couple drops of water to open it up. But if I'm out and about with people, and especially if it's going to be, you know, a couple drinks, hanging out, whatever, that's kind of when I tend to get a block of ice to go with it and just help it last a little bit longer, help the flavor last a little bit longer, keep it throughout the next drink. So for me, it's more of, you know, what I'm feeling in the moment and, and kind of where I am to prolong it. I'd like to spin off that a little bit. And I've mentioned this. So before. next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron I've, has no opinions. Right. I've, I've, Aaron, just read the questions, dude. Um, <laughs> I've mentioned this in person to people. I may have said it on the podcast, but I, with a new whiskey specifically, mm-hmm. something I've never tried before, it's, it's a process, right? Yeah. So I like to try it, you know, immediately just from the bottle. How's that taste? Often you take a little sip first because that kind of kicks you in the head before you can really identify anything. Mm-hmm. And then, just like you said, I like to add a drop of water, a couple drops of water from there. And they're really different whiskeys that I like different ways. There's some whiskeys that I very specifically prefer with like three drops of water in it. And then there are other whiskeys where I prefer it neat. Um, and then part of that whole process is adding, like Bobby said, a big ice cube, maybe a handful of ice or whatever, seeing what you like. So, I mean, we're... We'll, we'll poke fun and, and make fun of people a little bit, you know, give some people some jabs in the ribs. But we really are about, you know, th- just enjoy whiskey the way you like your whiskey. Mm-hmm. And from there, make, make your own decision. So ice or no ice, I'll say in general, nine times out of ten, I'm not doing ice in my whiskey. But every once in a while, you're at a wedding, you've got a, a lower end whiskey, something like that. I'd rather, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, give me whatever scotch you have on the rocks. Or right. Something. Chilling it. Chilling it kind of helps if it's a sometimes. lower end. Yeah. And you'll drink it. That. The problem with ice, other than watering down, if you do it wrong, you drink it fast. You know, if I put ice in a whiskey, it's gone. You know, you can really sip and kind of nurse a good glass of whiskey mm-hmm. without a little ice or water. But I always recommend a little water and whiskey, especially if it's a higher proof um, ice, you know, to your palate. And that's kind of it. You're not really hurting yourself. There's no wrong way. But I mean, again, I see somebody with a Tom's Tom Collins glass full of ice and whiskey. Right. You yeah. know. It's, it's, it's all don't know what you're it's, doing. It's, it's all personal <laughs> yeah. preference. But if you I, I think I think uh, Bobby and I have said this before, you know, what you're getting from the bottle is what the distiller intended, what the blender intended. That's what they want you to taste. So taste that first mm-hmm. and then adjust from there. I agree with what you said too, Aaron, about how it kind of depends on the type of whiskey you're drinking. Like I would never just sip a rye wheat. Because for my palate, it's just the spice that comes into it. It's enjoyable, but I need like a little bit to take that off if we're going to allow it to. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know. What works for you. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I like whiskey when I'm barbecuing instead of a Mm -hmm. beer. Like if I'm outside barbecuing, I'll in the middle of the summertime, I put nice. I am. I'm putting a couple of cubes of ice in there and it does water it down and it does take away a little bit of the flavor, but I enjoy that. So 
you know. Well, and something that I, I do that I, I didn't do until maybe a year ago is I've started, especially in the summer when it's hot, that sort of thing. Two, two, three summers ago, I was doing uh, whiskey over like one big ice cube in the summer sitting in the pool. It's a zillion You and your fancy out. ass ice I know, cubes. I know. And then the following summer, what I did, I started doing a lot of highballs which does a completely different thing to whiskey than just a couple of drops of water. So if you add uh, some people do it with Sprite, I like to do it with uh, club soda, Mm -hmm. seltzer water, maybe. um, But add some of that in there. Um, You know, I'd say two to one ratio, maybe, Um, you know, you put your whiskey in, get your um, get your uh, club soda in there after that. Mix it, mix it up a little bit, and it's just it's doing different things that you didn't get with adding a couple drops of water and then some ice. So that that's another step further. I've gone with tasting whiskey. You get some notes that you didn't get before. So many ways to incorporate water and ice into your whiskey. Go figure. Good Great question. question, Jessica. What do we have next? Next, I'm gonna go. <laughs> oh boy! I can almost hear the conversation before it happens. But uh, Michelle Schultz has asked us. Whiskey's not for the faint of heart. Oh. So when I have somebody new in my in my whiskey area and I'm trying to show them whiskey and help them experience whiskey, I try to stay away from cast strength. Your cast strength whiskeys tend to be hot and you have to really know what you're doing to drink it. And I, that's me speaking to new whiskey drinkers, I think. Oh, I, I, I'd like to sort of agree with that, number one. Well, um, thank you. Hey, no problem. All right. Next guys episode, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to the Cast Chasers podcast. Uh, it's all in the chase. Um, but Something, 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 chase. Something, 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 <laughs> chase. Katie says it better. Yeah. So whiskey's not for the faint of heart. It, it depends on what your level is. I, I imagine that what she's saying is, you know, whiskey's not for the faint of heart. Is somebody new to whiskey? That's kind of what we're rolling with here. Anything cast strength, anything um, barrel proof. Uh, usually American whiskeys, bourbons use the term barrel proof and uh, scotch whiskeys are going to use cask strength. Um, peated whiskeys. We'll get, wow. We didn't even talk about that. Um, peated whiskeys in general. That's not what you want to start somebody on unless you're unless 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 you're Scott Norris, who just, yeah, (laughs) there's some people that literally just jump right into these these peated whiskeys. And one thing that, not to take your thunder, but I want to piggyback, one thing that breaks my heart with scotch whiskey, when scotch drinkers introduce new scotch drinkers, they always go to peated as if that's the, you know, Like a test. It's the plant the flag on the, you know, and it's like... They're, you know, if I'm bringing a new scotch drinker in, I'm not going peated. And you'll see a lot of if you're in, if you're, uh, I mean, we're we're all in multiple Facebook groups. Although we prefer Cask Chasers, the Facebook Cask Chasers dot Cask Chasers is the best. Um, but <laughs> so we're all in a number of different Facebook groups, and you'll always see comments from people that are like, "Hey, I really like bourbon. I'd like to get into scotch, but I just can't get past the smoke." And most of scotches don't really have any smoke there. I mean, they're all made right, with malted barley, but none of them are peated. Or they have that that floral kind of nature, like you get the sherry cask finish in, something like that. Exactly. Your, your highest concentration of distilleries in Scotland is are the Speyside distilleries, mm-hmm. most of which are not doing any sort of peated stuff, nothing smoky. And if they are, it's more of a like a one-off type situation. Yeah. It's, 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 a, um, it's an experimental type thing. So I, not to disagree with you guys, because I don't disagree with you on this, but I went in a totally different direction when I first heard this question. And the only thing I can think of is 
if you don't want to introduce somebody to a whiskey or like provide a whiskey that's not for the faint of heart, right? Don't go with a crap whiskey. Don't go with like a Jim Daniels knockoff or whatever. <laughs> like, if if you really want to enjoy it or try and get somebody on board with you, like spend an extra 10 bucks to get something that's actually delicious uh, that, that kind of coaxes you into understanding what whiskey really is. Because there's nothing worse than being introduced to a new drink by somebody who is just like, oh, well, this is on the slide, whatever. And then it's just the bite, and you know? That- that that's a great point and not i mean we've talked about price points and age points and all that same sort of thing before um so i mean that's not to say that you know a 30 40 dollar whiskey is going to be crap compared to an 80 dollar whiskey mm-hmm. or a 100 dollar whiskey but don't don't just say oh you don't like whiskey here's a cheap whiskey don't no. go for the stuff that's sold in like a vat right, <laughs> on the exactly. bottom shelf of your exactly. liquor store a, a a giant plastic jug is something i would say to avoid but on the other end of that spectrum you don't have to go out and spend $3,000 or $200 yeah. or one to impress somebody. Absolutely not. There are some great affordable whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Listen, Wilderness Trail, pretty much oh, anything so they good. make is going to, what, 60 bucks maybe? Yeah. 50 yeah. bucks? Some, somewhere between, and anywhere between. I saw a store pick the other day for 50 bucks. I and couldn't believe it. Yeah. Patrick Heist, Dr. Patrick Heist, great friend of the uh, podcast, and we don't just promote his whiskey because he's a friend it's truly truly amazing whiskey and you're not gonna break the bank yeah i'm uh, as most of you know bobby and i are both more of scotch drinkers um i think me even more so but i mean every once i'll pour myself a bottle of wilderness trail and i'm like why am i not drinking this every time i sit down to drink something i think that's a really good example too because when when we're talking about something like a wilderness trail that's kind of like middle of the road price tier wise that's a drink that just by itself I feel like it stands up to drinks of a different category, like the into the scotches, right? Just because the quality of the taste that goes into it for the price point, it's it's something that's hard to I don't know find elsewhere. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. And if, if you're starting somebody off, I I know, I know this. The question was not for the faint of heart, but here's some for the faint of heart. If you're just starting someone, here's something off, for the the, the right. non daredevils, the reasonable. Here's the literal. <laughs> I don't want to get punched in the face by smoke. The, what should I drink? The literal opposite to the question you asked, Michelle. Um, but uh, start a, a weeded bourbon is going to be something really good. Wilderness Trail has one. Something like Larceny is going to be pretty inexpensive. Um, uh, That's a bourbon that its secondary grain after corn is wheat instead of rye because rye is going to have a lot of that bite. So a weeded bourbon, do a little bit of research, find a weeded bourbon, find a scotch that's a space side that's sort of like an average space side. Um, I'd say like it's keep away from peated's your barrel proof your cast strength and that sort of thing and keep away from jim daniels and J- damn jimmy walker <laughs> johnny like johnny daniels i like this game what's next oh gosh i need to read more words <laughs> um oh god this one's a lot of words so scott seymour who was actually um at our uh, most recent live event hey scott what's up buddy um so he had he had a slew of questions i'm only going to ask one of them right now maybe two um but his says uh this is like a paragraph costco kirkland brand versus the world oh my they have, god they have their irish some scotches bourbon and recently added back a tennessee whiskey two or three base options he's asking saying you know maybe we could blind taste them and that sort of thing but i'd even say you know uh, right up against the costco kirkland brand even like uh, bj's wholesale club now has their own brand so I, trader we, joe's if you're in the area absolutely and I'm, they can sell i'm gonna need you guys to carry me on this because as a maryland resident so costco, costco and, and liquor 
Costco, Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. um, your Total Wines, they mm-hmm. carry a house brand, a house brand bourbon, house brand scotch, and I'm sure some other things. I'm not, I, I'll tell you this, I'm a huge fan of Costco. Um, I have a 22-year uh, Costco single malt. It's their Kirkland brand. They don't disclose where they source it from. They're sourcing it from somewhere. They're essentially acting like an independent bottler. Um, and you got your Total Wines who will carry, you know, like um, um, Alexander Murray, something like that. Grangestone. Grangestone. That's their personal. But it's almost they behave almost like an IB, an independent bottler, where they have their own brand. But to go out and to get a 22-year-old single malt whiskey, that is, by the way, fantastic for 60 Dollars, mm. go find a 22 year old single malt for anything less than a couple hundred bucks. That's fantastic. I think they make a superb whiskey. Um, Trader Joe's does something similar. Um, we're in Maryland, Delaware area, so our Trader Joe's don't carry, um, but our Costco's and PA and our Costco's and I think PA, uh, Delaware do. Um, but I think they're fantastic. I think they select a pretty good brand. Again, I don't know where they get it from. But I stand behind it. Um, it, Here's, I'm going to come off his topic a little bit. And I'm going to talk a little bit about IBs in general, because that's essentially what it is. Um, If you want to experience something interesting, different, that doesn't necessarily break the bank, or that may be a little pricey, but something unique that you've never had before, find yourself an independent bottler. Find yourself, you know, a Gordon McPhail. Find yourself um, a Kirkland brand. Find yourself, you know, um, uh, um, exclusive malt, something like that, because you're going to get to experience something from a distillery that you may not get to experience any other time. Now, with Kirkland, they're not releasing. I think it's a space side, but they don't say where they got it from. Yeah, so the only the as far back as you can get officially, as far as Kirkland brand goes, is that um, it the bottler is Alexander Murray. It's Alexander Murray and Company are the bottler. Past that, they're not going to tell you who the distillery is. You can sort of pontificate on that. You can sort of you know compare it to some other things, but I mean Alexander Murray and Company. That's no that's no small name. You know in in the whiskey industry, they know what they're doing. They've curated so many whiskeys. You know they bottled so many different things. So just because they're turning around and selling it at Costco, you know it's not. Don't turn your nose up at it. I would say. Um, so while a lot of these, you know, independent bottlers, while a lot of these, um, store brands, if you will play that really close to the chest, it's definitely not something to turn your nose up at. Um, maybe at some point we'll do a tape. Maybe at some point we'll do a tasting of a whole bunch of different store brands. Can we do, can we do a tasting of store brands at a Costco? Like I'm imagining you guys at like a BJ setup where they're giving out like here are your mini corn dog samples and like instead sample. it's just we're just gonna we're just gonna record it on the fly. I just keep walking house. by six exactly. different times. Right. You're like, hey, do you not see the mini TV with our commercial on it? It's from our most recent live podcast. But Come you on. may want to be part of this. <laughs> so yeah, there's three you know major major brands. These big box stores. There's three to five different store brands of stuff. Check them out. They're not bad. You know, certainly don't look down your nose. I think. And Aaron's got the list of questions, but I'm actually going to bogart a little bit and jump into another question that I think kind of piggybacks a little bit. So as much as I buy into independent bottlers or, you know, store brand things, which I, again, yes, I'm pro 
go spend your money, $60, $40. It's worth it to experience what they have. I think the other side of that coin is your allocations, your very special releases. Man, that is a that's an interesting topic because it's based on location, what's being allocated in that area, special release. There's so much that's predicated on what an allocation is and how a, you know, a store or a distributor may give it or a store may receive it. I'm probably speaking out of turn here, but that's probably worth an episode. To bring. I would say so. I, I think bring in one or two people that can speak intelligent people in the industry, uh, liquor store owner, right? That run liquor yeah. stores, distributors, that sort of thing. Let's play around with it for a little bit. Yeah, we'll pick on your your one of your offenders, I think, and one of my favorite dis- distilleries, but one of your biggest offenders of the allocation race, if I can, uh, Buffalo Trace. And Buffalo Trace, of course, produces you know your Pappy Van Winkles, uh, your Weller, anything from that antique collection. So there's a little store, there's an area in Oklahoma where my friend goes and he does some shopping. They can get the Weller Special Reserve, like it's you know forty bucks, forty five bucks, ten, fifteen, twenty of them on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's not one person per. They grab as much as they want. It, it's as easy as grabbing, you know, a, a Woodford Reserve, just pulling it right off the shelf. You get out here in Maryland, good luck. Good luck. Find- We're at the point now where finding a Buffalo Trace is be- just the regular Buffalo Trace is becoming difficult. Finding anything from the Weller line is very difficult. Finding anything from the Pappy line, dude. Well, that's, I mean, that's the unicorn, right? And. And I feel like that's also kind of the catch-22 of some of the things we also love about whiskey culture, right? Like you have so many small communities, smaller like micro economies and distilleries built around that stuff. And you love the personality that each area brings to it. But with that comes some scarcity. I I really like the idea of having an episode on allocation to kind of dive into that a little bit right. more to yeah. figure out what the balance is. Well, it's it's the people. Yeah. We're doing it. The buyer's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, Damn on- us. Um, I think about, and Aaron could probably speak to this. I remember when, I remember when Blanton's was a nice looking bottle, but something you could pull from a shelf. Yeah. Now, recently I'd say, dude, you bring up Blanton's in a conversation. People are like, where did you get it? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, you see that over and over again. You can even go back in this podcast in last season and God, probably even earlier this season talking about, uh, with us talking about stuff that's, you know, yeah, you, you can get it pretty easily and now you can't. Back up real quick. What allocated means, uh, you're a distributor, you're a distillery, you're, you're making a high supply and demand. Liquor stores are allocated X amount based off what they sell, based off volume, based off relationships. So they're getting specific whiskeys. In that mix, there are whiskeys that are sought after. Let's say a whiskey wins an award or let's say a whiskey is, you know, for whatever reason, fits into the whiskey zeitgeist, you know, going back to Blanton's, you, you see it in like John Wick, which the John Wick scene where he's drinking uh, it on the right. Go on. Things like that blow up that whiskey, you know? Yeah. Maybe not just that, but it's, it's also a, a, a little, a little press release. Um, like, uh, gosh, the Larceny Barrel. Proof. Oh my God. Like, at, right. Right. Yeah. And now and all now, of a sudden, number one on what is it, Whiskey Advocate? Exactly. Number one on Whiskey Advocate, but uh, can't find it. So that brings me to a different question, kind of offshoot of this if you guys could make a whiskey time capsule like back to the future marty mcfly this get get the book of you know whatever all of the the sports almanac right like know what the winning teams are and go back in time and then 
place your bets on what that would be. Translate that to whiskey. Already have an answer. Tell me, what would you put in that whiskey time capsule? Wilderness. Be a sure bet. What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Wilderness Trail. Amazing whiskey. We've talked about it before. Um, it's it's just it's on the Kentucky Trail. It's, it meets all the parts of being you know mentally a good whiskey, and then flavor. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I see it as being the next allocated special release. Hard to get your hands. All of this stuff goes in waves, though. I mean, um, you see, you know, like Larceny is going to have this whole thing because of, you know, the barrel proof. But it's it's going to have this thing. It's going to have this arc that it takes, not just the barrel proof, mm. but all of Larceny whiskey. Because Henry people, McKenna Henry was McKenna a was, basic yeah. ass whiskey. It was a, it was a very sort of good, well kept secret. A lot of people that I know in the whiskey industry are said that was my favorite bourbon, and nobody knew about it. And now all of a sudden, it's blown up. And Your you can't old find it anywhere old granddads, which are easy to get, very good whiskey, very cheap. Surprised it hasn't blown up. Like it's it's just those little ones that are that are. They're really great, and then they win something or somebody's special quote. You know, uh, here's my thing: there are great whiskeys out there, and some of my favorite whiskeys fall under the allocated, you know, special umbrella. Again, now, now, Weller Antique, one of my favorites, happens to be under that umbrella. There are whiskeys under that umbrella that I think are overrated. That I truly 100%, believe, one hundred percent. Why are you so hyped up? You know what I mean? Yeah. We we absolutely like we have to dig into this in another episode because it's a lot of information. It is. It is. And I feel like the the marketing side of it, kind of the philosophy, the scarcity of it, that also has to play a role in it. But what else do we have question wise? I'm putting a bookmark in this because we have to circle back, but yeah, so here's another one. I didn't actually quote who it is. I this might be another one from Scott Seymour. I'm not sure. But I like it. It's, you curious feller. That's right. <laughs> so he says, and I think we can all speak pretty intelligently to this. He said, what if you take the same bottle, taste it at various times throughout the week and record day, time, food, eaten, environment, etc., and see how they compare showing how many different variables influence your tasting impressions. If you get the same thing every time, I would be shocked. Scott so, Seymour. I have met you personally yet. But are you going to first spot on this podcast? Because look at these questions. That's look right. Look at these questions. I'd like to address sort of the first part of that. Um, he's saying, you know, try it at different times of the day, throughout the week, mm-hmm. and later. I would even push that even further. Um, Bobby and I, I I'm going to just flat out speak for him. We're firm believers. I'm a firm believer in the neck pour. That the neck pour is not going to be what you taste. A lot of people don't believe in that. And a too, lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. Quarter of the way through the bottle, halfway through the bottle. I think Bobby and I are kind of on the same page that right around a third of the way through the bottle, half the way through the bottle, that's when that's when it really is sort of at its prime. And that's a lot of stuff. That's oxidation. You've got more surface level to the whiskey itself in the middle of the bottle that sort of, you know, opens it up, I think. If you if you try a brand new whiskey right out of the bottle, you know, you pop the cork. And you try it and you don't like it, let it sit a week. Try it again. Let it sit another week. Try it again. You might find out that you actually like it. Don't get too invested in, you know, pairing whiskey or worrying about too much. Just enjoy it. I will say, you know, sometimes things can be complimentary and bring out the flavor of whiskey, but you don't need to get overly hung up on it because it's a it's a way that you can re-experience something you love. The, the one thing I'll say before we move on is uh, I do believe that a big part of tasting whiskey, and we've talked about this before too, it's it's the emotions, it's the memory that's tied to it. 
Right. So don't don't swear it off, but maybe do appreciate the things that shape it about, you know, that tasting experience. Uh, I don't know if that answered Scott's question, but can't, it certainly it stirred possibly. up some stuff. <laughs> but, I, I, but I agree with all of that. And so next question. These last two are kind of fun. All right. Next question is from Mike Dowd. What would be different about James Bond, maybe different about the entire franchise, if he drank whiskey instead of martinis? Katie is like... I'm jumping Moving over around. the table. I'm my my arms are everywhere. I'm perched to jump on this question. Say words, Katie. Say words. I will try. So first of all, love this question so 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 much because one thing that fascinates me is the whole idea about what type of drink is tied to a persona, right? Mm. Listen to the takeover episode from season two. Um, no, so I heard something very funny. That was actually written by a bartender critiquing James Bond a couple months ago. And his point was basically saying, you know, the quintessential shaken, not starred, makes James Bond's martini choice to be a little bit of a wuss of a choice. Because when you shake a vodka martini, it breaks up the glass, minimizes the surface area of the glass or the, the ice, I'm sorry, and then dilutes the drink. So you shake up the martini, you break up the ice, it dilutes the contents of the drink. You wind up with a little watered-down vodka martini. Can I tell you that I've actually heard somebody explain that to me on the other end. He's working. He wants a diluted drink. Right. And he's worried about who's slipping something in it. I appreciate that other side of the coin. Yeah. I like the spy mentality. He's a professional. You know, he's, he wants it watered down. He needs it watered. Right. Yeah. He's going to drink to look the part. Right. How can I get a watered down drink? A highly shaken drink will water it down. And if you're stirring it from behind the counter, you can quickly slip something in there. If you're stirring, it's encased if you're shaking Ah. it. So you can't slip anything in I it love as this quickly anyway. So much. I learned so many things in the past minute and a half. Thanks, guys. That's spy and we talk. Still haven't answered the question. No. Which is great. Question was something about what if he drank whiskey? So, so here, I think he'd be a cowboy. I was going to say cowboy, right? And right. nothing would have gotten done. He'd get back there. He's like, "Well, because I guess I'm done with my day." And they're like, "What well, did you finish the case?" He's like, "Wait, case." <laughs> There was, oh, yeah. No, I did not because, finish that. Because <laughs> how do you water down whiskey and have it be delicious still and still work and, you know, assassinate Like people? he goes to the bartender and it's this iconic, you know, scene and he's like, bartender, whiskey. And the bartender's waiting for the next, like, shaking that stir and he's like, I just said whiskey. <laughs> the, qu- the quintessential movie drink. I'll have a whiskey. I'll just have a whiskey. Wait, wait, give me, wait. Give me whiskey. Is James Bond with whiskey... Clint Eastwood? Oh, that's the answer to that question. There you go. Clint Eastwood. Next question. Mike Dowd. That's who it is. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. James Bond without a martini and whiskey instead is just Clint Eastwood. It's just Clint Eastwood. There you go. No, 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 no. (laughs) We're not going to say just Clint Eastwood. I was going to say, walk your words back, sir. (laughs) James Bond without a martini is gets to be Clint Eastwood. Yes. I love it. All right. So I'm going to make this our last question unless we ask for more. Thank you for the open-ended continuance (laughs) of the series. (laughs) So this one is from Patrick Heist, Dr. Patrick Heist of Wilderness Trail Distillery. Stop it. He says, can you tell me how you all got so awesome? That's my only question for now. Wow. I think it's because we're a mirror. And we mirror back the awesomeness of you, Patrick Heist of Wilderness Distillery. Mm, mm. That's Mike a way Dowd. to get him back on the back, back on the show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I I will say though. So I mean, he he's I mean he's a 
fantastic guy, an extremely kind man. But uh, I was just talking about this with Christina the other day. I know Christina was talking about it with some other people. Like the way our entire crew, not just the podcast here, but the way our entire crew has sort of fallen together. I don't know what to attribute it to. It's like a family from because I'm I'm kind of new to it. Like I was a cast chaser before, but then in working with you guys on the podcast and kind of seeing the next layer behind the scenes of what makes this whole thing tick. I mean, it's a family dynamic, a hundred percent, but a good family. It's like the ones that you, it's the cool relatives. You always want to be around, spend the holidays with, and you, you actively look forward to seeing it's not like the other side. I think instead of having just a show, like to your point, you know, we don't just have a podcast. We have a group of people. We're a group of enthusiasts first. Then we have a podcast. So when we're making the podcast, we're conscious of that pe- those people that we want to make happy, that we want to answer this right here, that we want to answer their questions, that we want to appease them and do what's best for them, bring them great content. We want to take amazing people like Dr. Patrick Heist and bring him to our group and say, hey, here's the guy making the whiskey you love, you know, Wilderness Trail or, you know, whoever else out there that's making something amazing. We want to bring them to our people, our tribe. And I think that's why and not to pat ourselves on our back, but our podcast, I know it's a joke question. He's being sweet and everything, but our podcast is doing really well. We have grown and we are doing better and, you know, the equipment is financially taking its toll and obviously that means well and uh, to to your point uh, i i don't i don't know that you could have said it better but i'm going to just reiterate and say it maybe not a not better um it's it all sprung from a group it all sprung from a group of friends getting together and enjoying whiskey and talking about whiskey like until we were blue in the face and wondering things oh i wonder this i wonder that well now we just find out you know, yeah. now we can, we talk to the people in the industry. We talk to the people making it. We talk to producers, distillers, distributors, and all that. And I think it was sort of born out of our curiosity and our, you know, love for whiskey. And, and, and we just a, leaned into it. It's a genuine appreciation, too. And I, I think about all the people that in season one wanted to be part of the podcast. In season two are just volunteering to be a part of it, jumping up and down. Asking us where episodes are. Right. People that wanted to be part of the live podcast and be there to join in with us. It's just, I I think the really beautiful thing about this is when you really love something and when you have a true unfiltered appreciation for it and you just want to share it to everybody else, you tap into all these other amazing people that are part of the same vision and just want to share it with even more people. And when that stuff happens, it's like this, this tsunami effect, you know, or very organic. Yeah. The reason this podcast started was because we had a group and there was another podcast, the cat, the catch you later podcast, you know, great people, um, great podcast, fun. You know, they invited us on the show. They heard about what Aaron and I were doing with cast chasers and very early age, very early stages. And they asked us to come on the show to kind of talk about because they saw that we cared and we were passionate about this art form, whiskey. Um, and from that, I think after the show, you know, the our editor and at the time, you know, Scott came out and said, hey, you guys should have a podcast. I think pe- there's another platform 
to to talk about and, it. And that's something else. I mean, Bobby and I just sort of mentioned a couple times in passing, oh, we should do a podcast. We didn't have any of the technical know-how. We didn't have any of that. Oh, man, I'd love to do a podcast someday. And Scott, who worked on that podcast, literally approached me one, one day and was like, hey, are you guys still thinking you'd like to do a podcast? And, and Aaron said no. And, and I, I was like, no. Aaron. You're like, get your head <laughs> no. out of here. What are you talking about, Aaron? Back off, buddy. <laughs> But and that's literally how it was born. Like and from there, you know, Scott did an amazing job producing all through season one. Um, kind of took Bobby and I under his wing as far as editing and you know, a lot of kissing and hugging. Yeah, but whatever, a lot, of, a lot of that sort of stuff. Friendly but handshakes. Like now, now we're at a point where we can almost do a lot of things on our own, and it's 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 because of the community. It's because yeah. we're we have friends. a team. Yeah, we we have a we have a team. Look, it, you know we had a hard drive issue with our, one of our systems and I reached out and a cash chaser said, I'll help multiple. Yeah. Many, a lot of, you know, in it. So this is a team effort. You know, Katie said before, you know, you were a cash chaser. We saw something in you and your passion, your direction and your ability to put us on track. You know, that's why you're here. You know, Aaron and I, you know, ramble very well. (laughs) So, that's why we're so awesome because we give a shit about whiskey and we care about our people. And, and that's I, really the answer. And I I love everything you guys just said and I appreciate it so much. If I could just leave the people listening to this episode one other thought about everything we just discussed. Um, it's the passion, it's the enthusiasm, it's the appreciation. So especially for people that are just starting to get into whiskey or just curious about it and want to learn more, don't be afraid of what you don't know. If you're curious about it, if you have an interest in it, if you just have those sentiments where you want to learn more and be part of it, let that be your guide into the rest of what we talk about because it'll come. It'll come and it'll be one of the coolest rides of your life and it'll introduce you to some pretty great people. So I would say all in all for our first cask chasers listeners q a that we've ever done this was this was pretty good this was a lot of fun you guys had great questions please keep them coming and reach out to us on uh on the website on caskchasers.org hit us up at podcast at caskchasers.org reach out to us give us your questions be a part of this because we're we're making it great because of you guys so thank you so much and as always remember As this episode clearly showed, it's not about finding the perfect dram, it's all in the chase. 